0: Ghost Tim Weisberg here along with psychic medium Stephanie Burke. Science advisor Matt Moniz is out tonight. But uh, Stephanie and I are here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. Well, I say each and every, but we miss miss some. We're here for some. We're gone for some. But we're here tonight. (laughs) And tonight we're going to be talking with, uh, coming up in a little while, we're going to be talking with the showrunner and co-executive producer, A Haunting, Laura Marini, she'll be joining us in just a bit. We're gonna find out a little bit about her experiences in the world of the paranormal, her experiences in the world of television production, and we'll get some behind-the-scenes look at how TV production works. Because, you know, everybody that listens to the show and watches those paranormally themed TV shows, you know, there's there's always some misunderstanding I'll use about how it all works. So we'll have it, uh, even though, you know, we've had plenty of people here that have kind of told you from the talent side of things, the people who are in front of the camera with some of the different guests we've had over the years, and, you know, and I've been able to share some of my experiences, Stephanie shared some of hers, but we're going to get it from somebody who actually, you know, runs one of the shows and, uh, a show that by the way is, you know, as I mentioned there, the 11th season, that's, that's no joke. I mean, it's, you know, for a paranormal show to be able to last that long, it means that it's resonating with people. And it's it's one of those shows that, I, you know, I always loved before, you know, the style of show, I should say, that I've always loved before I was even into researching the paranormal. And I, I say that like actually going out and trying to do it. I was always reading books about it and everything. And I thought sitting there and hearing people share their own paranormal experiences was the best thing that I'd ever heard.
1: Well, that's what it used to be. Before we had a more structured type reality show investigating ghosts, everybody just had a story. Everybody had an experience. Everybody went somewhere and accidentally had something happen to them where now we're out looking for it.
0: And we went through some cycles, and we can talk about this with Laura a little bit later too probably, but we've gone through some cycles where... The, you know, for the longest time growing up, that's what we saw was shows of people having experiences, recounting those experiences. Then it got into the investigations. Right. Then the investigation shows started to wane and it got back into the experience shows and it cycled through back to the investigator shows. Now we have both peacefully mm-hmm. coexisting. So... And it's,
1: it's funny to see the switch of... I called them the talking head shows just because that's all you really saw of the mm-hmm. people. You never saw anything but the head. And or, you know, besides the reenactment that that they did, but it was people that were so mind boggled by what happened to them or had no real experience. And then we moved into investigators that are out searching for it and are willing to tell their stories about it. So there's not really a balance of that anymore. I think it's just all investigators that are now telling their stories.
0: The one issue that I have with it, and I'll also bring this up to Laura, (laughs) is that you have... You know, regular everyday people that are sharing their experiences, but you also have paranormal investigators that are in there sharing their experiences too. And I, you know, I'm not going to profess to have seen every episode of The Haunting, but I've seen some of the ones that, you know, our friends have Mm -hmm. been on. And, you know, for the most part, it's, they're not saying like, oh, I was there on a paranormal investigation or I was there in an event. So you do have like a little bit of the everyday aspect of a story when it might not necessarily have been an everyday experience because they were there looking for it.
1: Right. And that's what I mean. There's a huge difference. There's no longer a balance of that. We know people and we're going back, ooh, maybe a decade where they became known for what they do as an investigator off of a TV show where they told their story, but they actually paid to be at our event. And that's when that that story came from. Yes. Yes. And mm-hmm. I had people actually submit a lot of, um, and this was way back before these shows were really popular, submit a ton of footage of me to producers of these types of shows, and submit it as, oh, I had a an experience, and I actually was contacted a bunch of times. I'm like, I was running an event, like that doesn't even count as an experience for me. I was out looking for it. Right. I was I was getting paid to be there. So it's it's interesting that a lot of that might be the same
0: experience. But the other side of it too is an experience is an experience. Correct. So anytime, and especially to, you know, to the common viewer who just wants to find out more about if the paranormal is real or not, they, to them it doesn't matter if you were looking for it or not. Right. They just want to hear about the, the interesting thing that happened. So
1: I do miss the shock factor though. And for
0: the, for the,
1: for the the, experiences, the unsuspecting person,
0: you know, last night I had the opportunity to have a little investigation. You did. Uh, somebody had asked me to kind of take them out and and um, bring them on. I won't call it a full out paranormal investigation, but to just go and you know try some experiments and to to learn a little bit more about paranormal investigation. It's somebody who has been made a little name for themselves in the paranormal world, but doesn't have a lot of investigative experience. So, kind of wanted to get in there, you know, and and get their hands dirty and try it out a little bit. And she brought her boyfriend with her Mm -hmm. and I was kind of forewarned that he's not really into this stuff and he's not like in, he's not a believer. And uh, by the end of the night, I said to him, the last thing I said to them as they were getting into the car and I was getting into mine was, so what do you think? Do you believe now? And he looked at me and he said, oh yes, absolutely. You know, and that to me is the best part of what we do when we bring people into places is to have them go into it. You know, maybe they're unsure, maybe they're completely skeptical, but more often than not, they're just, you know, not really decided yet. And then they go and they have that experience that makes them come back and say, there is something to it. I'm still not ready to subscribe to it being <laughs> dead people. Right. And, and I always say the same thing. Hey, neither am I 16 mm-hmm. years into this, but I know that something happened right. and that makes me want to go back and see what that something was another time.
1: I think that's one of my favorite parts of doing what we do is helping people open their minds up to something that is unknown or was told to them one way, but it actually could be another because in actuality, we really don't have all of the answers. So I think that that's always fun for me is just to present those questions that make people think, hmm, you know, I wonder, or what if, and you know, the type of experiences that you're talking about where it's just an exploration, it's not an event, it's not a ton of people, it's not, you know, anything extravagant. It's just, hey, let's just see what's happening. Or, hey, let's explore the history. Or let's, you know, just kind of go and look at a place because it's cool, it's old, you know, not necessarily looking for ghosts. So I think that's awesome. And
0: the other part of it is somebody could go into it. They might not change the way that they think about the paranormal as a result of it, but maybe just going in there and, and going through the process of looking might make them look at other things right in their life a different way. So, you know, there's, there's skills and there's abilities and there's thought processes that can be gained from going on a paranormal investigation that don't have to just apply to what it is we're doing in that moment. And I can say that for me it has certainly led to me being a little bit more open minded about stuff for example psychics. <laughs> you know, I was yes. started this show dead set against them being real at all and uh, and I've learned to change my mind over time. You're welcome. And I've also <laughs> realized too that you know, I can't be so judgmental about people sharing the way that they have The way they've experienced something, the way they process some things that Mm -hmm. happen. So, uh, you know, I would always be that kind of person to say, oh, well, I mean, what are you so upset about? It's not that big of a deal. Well, yeah, to me it wouldn't be, but watching people go through these experiences and seeing how they process them made me learn that people process things differently. And Mm -hmm. so I can't belittle somebody else's uh, thoughts and feelings about something just because I don't have those same thoughts and feelings.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I could expand on that a whole bunch though.
0: I was definitely... um,
1: Like, I don't understand why people go into places and scream, but do it again, and then scream again. Or if you go into a a situation that you deem potentially dangerous or, you know, not good, and then you're crying hysterically, why do it to yourself repeatedly over and over and over and over again? That I don't understand.
0: The, yeah, the the other part that I don't really love either is... And I'm not trying to use a buzz term here, but mm-hmm. the the gaslighting yes. of paranormal experience where so many people are quick to tell you what it was that you experienced that you went through mm-hmm. with a label. Yes. When, how can you be sure? Because we don't really know what any of this is, so how can you be certain that that like whether it be saying, yes, you experienced a demon or no, you ex- you didn't experience a demon, either way, like, how can you really be sure? I at least like to answer that question with, you yeah, probably didn't experience a demon, but, or I like to say, I don't really believe in demons, but.
1: I think it's a little different for me. And we've had this discussion probably for the last decade where I always say, even the most skilled investigators, they always are so quick to be like, oh no, that's this or that's that. How do you know unless you can see it? That's always been my question. And I, you know, maybe it's a little unfair of me to ask because I can physically see them. So if something is actually directly communicating, having a back and forth conversation in front of my face, and I've been doing this for a very long time. So I've been to many different places and experienced many different things and have seen many different things. So it's almost like collecting a catalog. Um, At that point, then... Okay, I think it's fair for someone to say it's A B or C because hey, I've seen this before out in this state or this country mm-hmm. and this is what that looks like. But other than that,
0: I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess there's experience gained and experience passed on. Yep. And that experience becomes knowledge and we've, you know, we've talked about this before when we've argued whether or not there can be experts in the paranormal and mm-hmm. Yes, there can be. And the experience is part of what helps you get to that point, you know, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that the experience also equals being better. Because we know lots of people that have been in this for a long time who completely suck at it. (laughs) There's,
1: You know, I think there's a big difference too, and I say this all the time. If you investigate one particular place, like we're sitting in Fairhaven right now, if you only investigate this place, you're only familiar with the energy of this place and the spirits of this Mm -hmm. place that dwell here, you might be really good at your one thing that doesn't make you an expert on the entire thing as a whole. And I think that, you know, I've said forever, I've been to many different places, countries, studied with other cultures, other religions, everything, because I wanted to be as well-rounded as possible on top of what has been taught to me my entire life. And, but I will always say, Scott, for example, has been to far more locations than I have that differ than what I know. So Mm -hmm. the knowledge that we have together is just stronger because like I didn't spend a whole lot of time in in mental asylums investigating. He knows what that feels like or he's been, you know, to that particular uh, energy many a time. So it's like certain people have certain knowledges and we should put that all together and respect it but for some reason it's like a race to see who knows the most or who's better at it
0: and to anybody who feels like oh the paranormal is the paranormal no matter where you are like that's not it's not there there are some tenets of it that you can say are probably you know hopefully true from location to location but it's it's such a subjective experience to that particular location to those particular people who are investigating
1: well like it, we're all different. Like Massachusetts, believe it or not, Massachusetts and Rhode Island people are completely different. We're right next door to each other. I and mean, it, we're better. Stop it. Listen, we've just talked about that. We can't go there with my argument, but okay. Now, you know, you go down to the South. South is like the way of living is completely different than here in New England. It's completely different here than it is in Hawaii. And all of that is completely different than Europe. So if all of the people living there have different customs and different cultures and different beliefs and different ways of talking and different ways of thinking why wouldn't the spirits of those people be different too
0: Or why wouldn't the hauntings be different if the you know geological makeup of the area is different if right. the physical attributes of the area are different if the environmental fluctuations mm-hmm. of the area are different if the energetic fluctuations of the area Correct. are different so you know no matter how you want to look at it because you can't really I mean I always say to me you know, a ghost is an emotion. It's not, it's not a physical thing, Mm -hmm. which is why we can't prove it with physics. But even that's, you know, oversimplifying because it does touch upon all these different factors. So all of those different factors have to be looked at. Unfortunately, people zero into what it is that they feel best helps them Mm -hmm. answer the questions that they have. And that's what they stick with. So that's why you have, you know, somebody like, let's just go using TV shows as an example. You have, you know, the OG Ghost Hunters show when Mm -hmm. it was the original TAPS crew, and they were only really considering the things that they were able to record on instrumentation, right. the data that they collected in that manner mm-hmm. and personal experiences. They said, we got to throw those out the window because you know, there's no way to really qualify those and right. quantify those. But now you take that and you superimpose that with some of the shows that are out there today, where there's people that are out looking for stuff that don't even bring equipment with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that are really just going out there to have those experiences and to only talk about those personal experiences. You know, like I, I, mean, I haven't watched a lot of, the shows, but I have a rough idea of how some of them work. You know, you look at something where you're going out now with a psychic on a show or Mm -hmm. a medium on a show when in the early days of Ghost Hunters, they railed against that stuff. Right. So you're seeing that that gamut being run with these shows and that's how it really does work in the field. The best investigators that were doing all of that and not getting pigeonholed into one particular right. approach.
1: And I was really proud to be a part of one of the very first shows to even take that approach with, hey, let's call in a medium into a investigation. Not just, hey, can you tell us about an experience you had here? Or, hey, can you tell us what you think? it was? I was involved in reading the location and then part of the investigation. And I was proud of the fact that they actually began to show that part of investigation because I feel like that was a huge part of what, you know, I've done forever. Um, I think it's a little bit more mainstream now. I really don't think a lot of shows are doing it besides um, Kindred Spirits. You know, there was the Holster Files, but that's not on air anymore.
0: Uh, Dead Files. I think that's
1: yes. Um, that's always been their thing, though, but it hasn't right. really been an investigation,
0: you know. Yeah, it's I don't. I think they more just follow right. what. A- I haven't watched a lot of episodes of it, but no, it's just, just kind of like it's you know they follow research. what Amy does and then yeah. they do the research. Right. The the um, the other part of of that though is historically, mm-hmm. there was far more paranormal media, yep. for lack of a better term. That did it the way that you're describing. Mm-hmm. You know, Hans Holzer taking trans Correct. mediums to locations, Harry Price working with mediums back mm-hmm. in, you know, in, in the early part of the twentieth century. So and then even going back to the spiritualism. Era, so that was a big part of it. At some point they decided to say, well, we can't put faith in that anymore. And then they've come back and said, We can put faith in that again. But It's got to be tough for you because you're in a field where you're constantly getting black eyes from, you know, these other stories that are out there of the charlatans that do Mm -hmm. pop up. I mean, there's a story today. I shared it earlier on on Facebook. Um, There's a woman who is claiming that Bob Dylan sexually abused her. Uh, Back in the 1960s And uh, I mean first of all Bob Dylan has never had anything like this Ever levied Mm -hmm. levied against him But also uh, he wasn't in the country At the time that she claimed all this stuff was happening They know for a fact he was touring other places But in this particular Court case Mm -hmm. uh, The the Lawyers for Bob Dylan are asking for these Charges to be dismissed Mm -hmm. And part of the reasoning as to why They want it to be dismissed is they're saying she's unstable because she is a psychic medium who claims to communicate with dead people and the spirits of animals and with, you know, living animals, she's an animal communicator and all this stuff. So they're like, you know, you really can't take her seriously if this is the kind of stuff she does. And it's like, it doesn't sound like you can take her seriously because it sounds like she's making up these accusations. Not that I don't want to believe people who make up accusations, but the facts are starting to line up that it can't be true. And... So don't go to that well again to, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do for a strategy, but just, you know, we don't need that to all come back into light where just because they claim to have those abilities, that means that they're not trustworthy, serious people.
1: Right. I think, you know, there truly are people out there, you know, I'll obviously speak for myself, but, um, if you know me in everyday life, you know, I'm very stable. Um, This is something that I've been doing since I was born. I was born into it. Um, But there are people that do come out of the woodwork, out of nowhere, claim that they suddenly have this onset, you know, ability thing happen to them. And then they try to claim, oh, looking back at it, i probably always had it. And then they start acting on it for media and attention. We've seen that forever. And that makes it hard for those of us that have been doing it seriously for a very long time.
0: I've had a couple brief psychic flashes in the last few weeks. Have so you? pay attention for my website coming soon with my uh, Wait, availability. And, this uh, happens every uh, so, seven, so often. thinking $750, $850 a reading. Oh, you yes, You know, yes, thinking five yes. minutes. Five minutes usually gets it done, right? Right.
1: But, I, like, I mean, I could go on and on. But my favorite, it's all just to get on paranormal TV is what it is. Because I think that paranormal television stars make millions of dollars per year. Um plot twist they don't um or the people that just start offering readings randomly but they've never had any training to do so and they're not doing it safely or they buy a tarot deck and they read the little descriptions of the cards that come with the book (laughs) like it's it's not okay it's just not okay
0: well i mean my tarot deck came with a whole little like Ten Easy Ways to Learn How to Tell Tarot. It was like one right. of those like kits. It wasn't even like going-
1: Because they sell like that. Yeah, but it that's wasn't that's even like going out to buy
0: that. the deck. It was like the whole- com- Right. It was like the complete Idiot's Guide to Tarot type yeah, no. set. Um, which, you know, you used to go and buy those klutz books that would teach you how to juggle. Yep. You know, it's kind of like similar to right. that. Right. But anyway- I only bought it because I was at the secondhand store down the street, and I was like, oh, I don't have a tarot deck. I'm going to get this anyway, and also if I buy it, it's going to keep it out of the hands of somebody else that might do damage. <laughs> anyway, our guest is uh, ready to join us. Laura Marini has been intrigued by the unknown since she can remember, favoring books on ghosts, witches and the unexplained from a very early age. A producer for over a quarter century, she is happiest when she can combine her background in storytelling with the unknown, the mysterious, and the paranormal. In the past decade, she's produced over 100 stories for Travel Channel's Mysteries franchise, including Mysteries at the Museum, Mysteries at the Monument, and Mysteries at the Castle, Haunted USA, several seasons of A Haunting of for Lifetime Movie Network, and three seasons of Destination Fear. She was supervising producer for several seasons of Most Terrifying Places and now serves as showrunner and co-EP of the 11th season of A Haunting, which airs Friday nights at 10 p.m. on Travel and then drops a new episode the same day on Discovery+. And she joins us now... On the show. Good evening, Laura.
2: How are you? Hi, Tim. That's quite an introduction. Thanks.
0: <laughs> well, listen. You've you've had quite an accomplished career so far, and one of the things we were talking about at the beginning of the program is how we have seen cycles come through in mm-hmm. paranormal media. How you know, for years it was like just the investigation and what what they could show an investigation, right. and now we're back mm-hmm. to the stories, and then now it's a good mixture of both going on. You've, you've had the opportunity to be involved in all those different facets of, of the storytelling of the paranormal and, and being able to present everything from the investigations that, prof, you know, mm-hmm. quote-unquote professionals have gone out there and done, right down to the common everyday occurrences that people have that they find to be terrifying experiences. Yep.
2: <laughs> all of those things. <laughs> um, and I've certainly seen some strange things along the way. So, so
0: you, you know, we said in the bio that you've been intrigued about, about these topics for as long as you can remember. What was it that made you start wanting to pursue interest in this even before you know being a, a, a television producer? What was it that made that drew you into the world of the unknown?
2: um well i think a lot of us are uh, probably a lot of people listening have the same thing you just know since you're a kid i mean be- i went to library school because they didn't have a uh, kindergarten in my hometown and i've always had a love of libraries after that but i'd always pick stories about you know uh witches and ghosts and hidden coves and all sorts of things like that at that early of an age and i bought my first book um with my own babysitting money uh, at 12 years old, Edgar Cayce's, you know, uh, There is a River, um, you know, How to Be Your Own Psychic, all that stuff since I was a kid. And I mean, I have a, a master's degree in international relations and I've had several secret clearances. It's not like I'm just, you know, um, someone who's like, you know, doesn't, is not a grounded person or whatever. I'm certainly very much, you know, into, Re- reality and being very grounded but um this is the this is my jam this is my i'm thrilled to be part of um paranormal television i just love it
0: and it, it, when you think about it you know this wasn't a genre that existed necessarily when you got into television work that it was you know it was something sure, that sure. has only kind of come about in the last well i guess we're getting close to it being almost 20 years but still uh you know yes. it, it, there were always programs that focused on this topic, but it was never right. an entire genre of television.
2: Exactly. There was like, you know, in search of, or, um, you know, miss histories, mysteries, or you know, whatever, like a, and, and when I first, you know, was in television as well, I would always try to like squeeze in those, you know, they call them, ookie stories or whatever. They called me the woo woo guru when I worked at a, on an ABC show. Um, I do shows uh, stories on intuition and on, um the kahunas of hawaii or whatever i just have always been fascinated by it and even on mysteries at the museum i mean a lot of seasons they're like oh you you know no more world war ii stories but you can do you can do ghosts and then the next season it would be no more ghosts but you could do ufos so you know uh, we would always be able to squeeze in a few stories here and there but um yeah i think actually a haunting was maybe the predecessor like big granddaddy of a lot of these shows you know when they did a haunting in connecticut that special back in i think it was it 2001 or something and mixing um documentary style sound bites with really incredible um dramatic recreations kind of really brought the paranormal into the everyday into people's Living rooms and and uh, started the ball rolling. I think the genre kind of leaped off, leapt off of that because it, you know, spurn it um, inspired a series. So it was just a special, and then they had a haunting in Georgia, and then it became a haunting, and um, yeah, eleven seasons later, here we are.
0: <laughs> and w- one of the the kind of the the cornerstones of telling those stories is you have to have people who are you know i want to say that they have to be credible and believable but mm-hmm. but that you know that's not really necessarily the 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 litmus test all the time sometimes it has to be how credible and and how seriously you can believe the story itself that you know the, the the person could be the most grounded person possible but the story can be so extraordinary you have to look at that and say oh that's going to be a hard sell to get the audience to buy into how do you mm-hmm. gauge you know, especially, I'm sure nowadays it's a little bit easier because the attitude toward the paranormal is different and people are a little mm-hmm. bit more open minded to it. But I'm sure in those early days you had to look at things and say, listen, I know that you've had this incredible, extraordinary experience. I mm-hmm. just don't know if the audience can go on that journey with you.
2: Well, I mean, if you look at the J. Allen Hynek story, I mean, the guy who was the uh, government's uh, UFO um you know for hire the guy who explained oh it was swamp gas oh it was whatever trying to talk you know people out of believing in ufos i mean there's always been um you know how far can you suspend disbelief or whatever but he turned around his beliefs because he had interviewed so many uh air you know uh air force pilots or or sheriffs or police officers or college students i mean people that he thought There's absolutely no motive that they would have to tell, to make up this story. And so much corroborating um, witnesses that he was like, wait a minute, there's something going on here that needs to be explored. So similarly, um, and what this is the other thing I love about Travel Channel, like they've taken, like their shock docs that they have now. Um, The first one that they did, what was that, Devil's Road, the one about the Warrens? Mm -hmm. It was like a Ken Burns documentary, but putting the lens on the war. And so it was using a legitimate kind of storytelling um, on a fringe topic and therefore giving it um, a credibility. But also instead of starting with, you know, before when it would be just a story here and there on TV, people would be like, look at this crazy person. They believe this. Instead, they seem to come off with the idea like, this is real, and this is why these people believed it. So it was a, it's a whole new kind of like paradigm shift in people's openness to um, believe that there is something going on that maybe is not, that we can't touch or feel or um, quantify
0: and you know as i said we do have a wider appetite for it and a wider understanding yeah. and thirst for it now and and i think part of it is because you know series like this and all the different mm-hmm. programs you've worked on have helped to kind of normalize the paranormal and is the, is one of the things that you hear people are critical about paranormal shows is Mm -hmm. that they try to up the scare factor and they try to make Mm -hmm. it seem like it's a, a scary thing when it's not an everyday occurrence. But I think a show like a haunting is a perfect way to show people that you might feel that way because you're into this and you accept it, but not everybody who has a paranormal experience feels that it's not a terrifying thing. It's a very terrifying thing to them in that moment. Mm
2: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is we go, I mean, you know, just like any, if you're going to take a book and adapt it into a movie, you know, what, what was the thing? Uh An adaptation is like a spouse, an attractive one is seldom faithful and a faithful one is seldom attractive. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that, but, um, but people will, you know, their stories, we do have to um, collapse the timeline sometimes in order to, you know, tell the story in the 42 minutes that we have. You know the story we we keep the heart and soul of the story intact and we you know certainly speak with the um the folks who are on the show to you know discuss any um you know if if we need to like put things that happened two nights in a row into one night and they're they're you know often fine with it or whatever but it's about keeping the heart and soul of the story intact
0: yeah, there's there's always there's going to be a little bit of dramatic license just to right. to be able to tell the story. But you know, as I've I've told people who have been critical, like, oh, you know, they they have to make these stories so scary. It's like, no, the story itself, if you if are you just scary. It, yeah, and if you hmm. just play the audio track of the person telling the story, you mm-hmm. might process it a completely different way. But these are filmmakers who are making these these shows, so you're getting. The, you know, the the dramatic camera angles, the dramatic music, you're Mm -hmm. getting all of these visual and audio cues that will create that sense of tension that the story doesn't have to create Mm -hmm. for you because the presentation does.
2: Exactly. But it actually, um, I think it's kind of a fun thing to maybe turn off the the visual part and listen to it as if it were a radio play. That's kind of uh, an interesting way to to watch it too, Mm um, you know but we also try to i don't want to say educate it's not like we're trying to be pbs but um i think people can learn a few things by watching these shows because we try to do different types of hauntings all the time um you know you learn different vocabulary you learn different um we always have different kinds of um evidence that and we actually seamlessly weave in the evidence so say our actors who are playing the investigators we put the actual evidence into their cameras so that you so that you actually get to see the actual evidence. And we market actual evidence or actual EBP or whatever. So that it doesn't pull you out of the story while you're watching it. To go like, oh, and by the way, here's the real evidence from the investigation. So we market, but we've woven it into the story so that you can stay in the story while you're watching it.
0: And and let me just say that those reenactments are the one major problem I have with these shows. And I'm not, Uh I'm not saying that because of the way that they're presented. It's just, I know a lot of these people who have been, you know, portrayed as actors. You guys always make them way better looking in the reenactments (laughs) than they really are in real life.
2: Yes, I, we are guilty of that. Um, it's it's funny though because a lot of these some of the times these stories are like twenty years old like people are like oh I'm wanna, you know, I'm finally going to tell this story so of course the actor is going to be you know age uh, appropriate to the time when the story was being told um, and it's funny too we had one um, gal this season um, I don't know if you know her Mary Jo Chesley she has these <laughs> um, dolls she's so pretty that I said how am I going to actually find an actress prettier. <laughs> Than Mary Joe, you know, it was like that was that was tough. Um, I always,
0: I always go back to the John Brightman episode because the guy who played John Brightman, <laughs> I tease him all the time. I'm like, you'll, on your best day, you'll never be as good looking as that guy.
2: That's so funny. And Rob, you know Rob Thompson from Ghostfinders. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, yeah, he was on uh, an episode this season, and I've known Rob for a while, and he says, get a big Viking to play. <laughs> <laughs> so i did so i'm waiting to see what he thinks in episode six of the guy who played him who was fantastic actually the guy the actor was really great but a bigger person of like a a larger person but you know we really tried this season and i think you'll find by watching it the acting is really like really good this season like really really good i mean i've always loved this show i've watched this show myself for years um so i was thrilled to be um Invited to
0: be part of it this season Well I mean I'm you know just taking a look At your IMDB page you can see all the Different things that you've had a chance to work On over the years Mm -hmm. and you've Mm -hmm. covered Every every kind of Scary experience that people could have So I just want to ask you out of all the work that you've Mm -hmm. Covered whether it be ghosts Aliens you know conspiracies Weird mysteries Mm -hmm. brides. What was the scariest one to deal with? (laughs) Because you worked on Say Yes to the Dress, so I can only imagine that was terrifying.
2: I did. I did. That would terrify um, me. Yes. But you know, the thing is, it's pretty funny. Um, On Facebook now, you can watch little clips of um, Say Yes to the Dress or Curvy Brides or any of those kinds of things. And I actually watch it to kind of zone out. And then I'm shocked once in a while, and I'll see one of my, I call them My Brides, but these are from 2010 when I was a uh, senior producer on that show it was like wait a minute they're still and they still hold up I mean it, it's like you know does the, the story still hold up tension is tension and um yeah that that was kind of a an interesting part but I have to tell you of all the shows that I've done people whenever they find out I did say yes to the dress can't, they're like oh my god I love that show <laughs> and it's like okay so I've done like you know pbs and i've done history channel and i've done all of the stuff but say yes to the dress I always gets a big uh, like woo! <laughs> yeah. um but no i've been to some strange places i've been to i've had some scary experiences um i mean i've been totally blown away by um kim russo who's the psychic on um uh the Hunting of you know the one that they take it's kind of the spin-off of celebrity ghost story where. They take the psychic with the celebrity back to the place where they had this haunted experience, and she just was so dead on. Uh, she just blow these celebrities out of the water with her readings. So, you know, say what you want. She's just she was incredible.
0: And when you're when you're working with you, know, and just kind of in any genre of of reality television, what is it that you think? makes it such a... I mean, I know from a from a business perspective, you know, networks love these shows because they're easier to produce and you don't have to have, you know, cast members that are eventually going to want $20 million an episode like like a sitcom will. Or, you know, like there's a lot of reasons why we were inundated with reality shows, you know, from Survivor on. Right,
2: because they were cheap.
0: But really, like, the audience determines what's going to be on the air more than anything. And, exactly. And audiences have bought in completely into the reality genre. What is it that you think that people like about seeing these shows, especially the ones that have a paranormal, you know, uh, approach to them?
2: Huh. Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, I think the regular reality shows, I think it's because people say things that we wouldn't dare to say. I mean, and they're just kind of vicariously you know, living. But I also think that those shows have kind of uh, led to the dumbing down of America and how we all speak to each other. And I was actually watching um uh, an old Sally, I don't know if you remember, maybe I'm dating myself, but I think we're the same vintage close to being the same vintage, uh, the talk shows of the, the 90s. And there was a, a clip um, about the same family that was on a haunting in Connecticut. And it was just the whole audience was like, I think it was like the farmers with the pitchforks, you know, like, totally like ripping this family apart that it had had that experience in the, the house that was a funeral home then he just reminded me how facebook is um now But people don't even have the courage to do it to their faces you know what i mean people say all sorts of smack um, but they can do it from the anonymity of their keyboards um so i don't know i think a lot of the reality tv's kind of not been the best influence on the uh, on things but i mean if you learn how to tell a story properly um there's all sorts of great great stuff i mean Storytelling is, um, you know, good storytelling can be across any genre, Uh, so it just needs somebody who's actually interested in telling the story and, uh, you know, able to do it well, Um, which I think with hauntings, you really have to, um, as a producer or whatever, understand, I don't know, how do you say, understand the genre, but also, you know, make sure that the folks understand that you aren't there's no judgment on on your end of the fence you are there to just be a handmaid to their story and to tell it with the best possible intentions to keep the story intact i mean there's these people some of these people really they they open up and they've they tell us something that they hadn't told other people and we really take that trust seriously at least i know this season what, what what thrills me the most is i can't wait for each of the real people to see their episode like I'm not worried that anyone's gonna be upset I really I can't wait for them to see them this season they're just you know we really took a lot of <clears throat> a lot of time and a lot of care in telling these stories so not only I think people will be with some good scares and some really great directing and acting and editing but um, but the real stories are are right there um, all the way
0: well and You know, Stephanie and I have each had the opportunity to work on some different programs and know people that have worked Mm -hmm. on different programs. And and it really does make a difference when you have somebody that does understand the paranormal as opposed to Mm -hmm. when we've had to deal with people who are just, it's just their next TV job. And they don't really know Mm -hmm. the ins and outs of the paranormal. And, you know, I've butted heads with people as a researcher. Having to deal with them, you know, not understanding the story. I've had to deal with network notes of, hey, couldn't they just find a demon here instead? You know, like all of those things that all have to come Mm -hmm. into play. And as you're saying, you know, you're trying to tell that story truthfully and honestly, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's also that aspect within the TV world of there's still people who are coming at this of saying, well, we all know ghosts aren't real anyway, so how does it really matter how we present the story?
2: yeah, of course, I've met certainly lots of those people. and that always bothers me if somebody's you know if that's just their next TV job to me as i said, i've been this has been something that I've loved from early on. um, and maybe we've gotten some really great stories this season because in a sense, people know me in this realm and they know that I'm you know that I care about telling these stories. so. Uh, and i had a wonderful staff i mean sam baltrusis was one of my uh aps and and he's certainly well known in in those circles and um i just had a you know really great staff and i don't know i just i think some of these stories people people aren't as religious these days i think they're more spiritual and i think maybe this is part of it too is that people are uh, open to that you know to the fact that there's something else out there um or Maybe they're religious and they're watching it because they're, you know, oftentimes we have folks who are ministers or priests or whatever that are, you know, the one who comes in and fixes the problem. So maybe that's, you know, part of it too, that maybe this kind of legitimizes their belief in a, in a higher power.
0: And, and uh-huh. it's, it's getting harder and harder to, to sustain, you know, the non-believers in the field. First of all, there's enough, you know, there's enough reality shows out there that you could go work on something else if this isn't your cup of tea. Exactly. But we're also, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing the people who have I mean, I, I know people that are on these shows who say, Well, this peop- this person that we started working with, you know, four seasons ago, they didn't believe in this stuff before, but oh, they yeah. definitely believe now for all the stuff that they've mm-hmm. seen.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean I've been on so many sets where I don't know if I've told you the story and please stop me if I have. Um uh, i was in drake tunnels in england i was we were shooting um the international stories for um most terrifying places and drake tunnel is i um a shadow factory the um british had built this factory into this mountain so that the nazis if they flew over didn't know there was a, a factory in there a, a lorry factory i think it was it had seven miles of underground tunnels in it it also had a bbc station in it and a hospital and All this stuff. Anyway, I guess one of the tunnels, they put too much um, dynamite in and there was a collapse and a a man had died. This is back in, you know, the 1940s. Anyway, for many years, it was closed and it was a a bomb shelter for a while. Anyway, so then they opened it up to paranormal groups. And a lot of people have seen this gentleman in um, like work coveralls from the but he just disappears or they follow him into a tunnel and then it turns a corner and there's nobody there you know all that kind of stuff so we're you know we shot the story and this lady had told the story of seeing this extra person amongst her group and then following him down this long tunnel with a bunch of other friends and it dead-ended and there was no way he could have passed them or gone into a side thing and whatever anyway so we shoot that and then we're doing the dramatic recreations and all of a sudden she says he's here And we're like what anyway the pa our our production assistant was taking um production some production stills behind the scenes and i have this one picture i'll have to show you um there's a picture i'm standing there behind the director of photography the the cameraman and then there's the two folks playing the gal who told her story a guy playing her friend and the guy playing the ghost in coveralls like everyone always describes him and then the next picture, I've stepped out of it, but you still see the cameraman and you still see the actors. And then on the back wall is another guy, but he's see through wearing coveralls and a newsboy hat. Mm. And no one on our staff or who was an actor was wearing that outfit except for the guy who's playing the ghost who was standing behind the actors.
0: All <laughs> well, that's yeah. yeah
2: so, Full bodied. But none of us saw it. None of us saw it while we were there. It was only captured on his camera, and we only noticed it when we all went out for dinner the next night. And we were looking at the pictures.
0: See, so you don't expect it to happen when you're trying to tell the story of it.
2: <laughs> but, yeah. That happened
1: to me in Hawaii. That was very cool.
0: Well, yeah. well, uh, when, if you want to wait, we have we have to take a break. But when yeah, we come back do. on the other side, we can <laughs> yeah. we can share that story. Sure. Uh, and also, if you're up for it, Laura, we could take some phone calls too in the next hour if that sure. works for you. Happy. All Happy right, you'd that? like you'd like to call in and if you have a question for Laura you can ask questions about some of these shows maybe you want to talk about a you know, a particular one that you like and let her know about it you can call in 508-996-0500 that is the number to be able to call in and discuss on the show but try to keep it related to the topic Lamone in case you're listening we want to you know, questions and comments and things that are related to what we're discussing here on the program tonight uh, also if you want to reach out to us with those questions uh, via email crew at SpookySouthCoast.com if you want to put them out on Twitter you can use the hashtag spooky live those are the ways to get in touch with us socially you can also follow us on Facebook as well, the Spooky South Coast page. There, you can like us, no, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Spooky SC, uh, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll try to bring as much of that as we can into the program as we go along here tonight. Also, if you go to SpookySouthCoast.com, you'll see that uh, we announced a couple of things that we have coming up in the new year. Uh, we're going to be returning to the Wayside Inn, that's up there, and we're going to be heading back for the first time in many years to the S.K. Pierce Mansion in Gardner, Massachusetts. So so you can check those both out at SpookySouthCoast.com. Just click in the little corner uh, at the upper right. You'll see events. Click on that tab and then you'll see there's a slider that has all the different events that we have coming up. So you can go and check those out as well. So we will take a quick break and then when we come back, we'll continue talking with Laura Marini about her work on A Haunting and so many other shows. We're going to find out. I want to you know get into some of the process about how these stories get on television and how these stories get told and we'll even find out how you can submit your stories. If you have one that you would like to share with Laura, we'll talk about that as well. So again, we will take a break for the news. We come back if you want to call in 508-996-0500 is the number. And we'll be right back with more Spooky South Coast coming up in just a few moments right here on WBSM. of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with psychic medium Stephanie Burke, science advisor Matt Moniz off tonight. Uh, Tonight we're talking with our guest. She is the showrunner and co-executive producer of the 11th season of A Haunting, but she's had a long and storied career in both paranormal television and television in general. Laura Marini is with us tonight. We've been talking about uh, some of the uh, different uh, shows she's worked on and some of the experiences that she's had in doing so. We're going to get further into that. But Stephanie, before the break, uh, you had said that you had um, a, a, an experience that you wanted to share from Hawaii?
1: Oh, I Hawaii. was just saying that um, very similar to the experience that she was describing, I actually had happened to Scott and I while we were there. We were on our um, one of the ghost tours with Lopaka, and we were standing there just kind of you know, we, we look at that as hanging out with a friend while he does his thing, and we could see a person standing there that wasn't part of the group, and we actually snapped a photo of it. We didn't realize till the next morning that we actually caught it in the photo, and it was a very very descriptive black shadow wearing a, um, almost like a scally cap wow. or baseball hat. And uh, we still have the photo. We sent it to him. We're like, hey, you had an extra person hanging out on your, your tour last night. Because we were telling his wife about it. Like, do you see that? And she couldn't see it, but we could. So we took a photo, and there he was. Don't know who he was, but didn't stick around to ask either.
0: And that that spirit didn't even pay for a ticket.
1: He didn't. He just jumped on it, and he must have liked the storytelling. So, But, you know, as you know, Lopaka is very well known, especially in that area, for being a master storyteller in Kahuna. So he just attracted <laughs> this random guy and just like well, out and listen to the story. It was now, kind of
0: funny. Let me just clarify. I knew that you had told me and I had heard about him being a master storyteller yes. until you had that event, um, you know, back in the fall where mm-hmm. I got to sit there and tell, listen to him tell those stories uh, while, you know, while we were all kind of together uh, as part right. of that virtual presentation. And it got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm starting starting this event, Laura, like getting all excited about the stories that I'm going to share and like trying to like get those all straight in my mind. And then as soon as he started telling his stories, I was just like, I'm going to stop talking now. I just want to hear him keep telling stories the rest of the night. <laughs>
1: he's, he's phenomenal, but he's actually been awarded by um, the Hawaii State House and like Congress for being a master storyteller and keeping his culture alive. So I... Um, I've always known him in that capacity, I mean, besides being friends, but um, listening to him speak, just whether it's about his culture or his, his native language or a, a scary story like he told that night, he's always captivating, but um, I think Scott and I were so used to the type of stories that he told that like, we were just like, oh, hey, this is going to be cool, but watching you guys listen to him for the first time was just really fun.
0: <laughs> really be- did make a difference. And, and also, we were talking before, Laura, I mentioned that we have an event coming up at the Wayside Inn in Sudbury, Massachusetts, and you mm-hmm. actually worked at the Wayside Inn.
2: I did when I was in college. Um, and I actually, I worked there, I uh, started in the summer between my junior and senior year and um, then went back for all the holidays and, and actually worked there full-time when I graduated just until I could uh, find a job in television. Um so I was telling someone the other day, I couldn't believe I remembered this, but then they told me something that kind of floored me. I said one time when I was helping out the, um, the maid, you know, the chambermaid or whatever that did the, did the hotel rooms, uh, changed over the hotel rooms, um, that I saw this kind of half apparition of a woman floating down that hallway that has the eight bedrooms and uh, kind of freaked me out a little bit. And he said, oh, some other people have seen that recently. So he's like, "Yeah, they've seen this half woman," and I was like, "I had no idea." So yeah, that place is pretty haunting.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we had a a really great event. Uh, It's one of the few times that I actually went to a place. And held an event before I'd actually had the chance to investigate it myself. And so really? I was kind of experiencing it for the first time. I'd never even been really? there before until I went there for that oh, weekend. Wow. And, you know, there was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good activity happening. But at the end of the night, when most of the folks had gone home and it was just the people who had, you know, paid to stay overnight... Uh, the, and, and we had the whole place to ourselves, so every room was booked with people who had come to our oh, event. Cool. Which mm-hmm. means we're going to keep ghost hunting even after everybody else <laughs> went home. And mm-hmm. we we went down into the basement, into the oldest part of the basement, and mm-hmm. just the shadow people down there were incredible. The way that they were, mm. n- you know, instantly interacting with us, and and there were so many other cool. Parts to that, to that building and to that property that we didn't even get to. That uh, mm-hmm. I'm so excited to go back just because you know now I know there's other places I'm going to hit this time instead of just parking myself in one room the whole night.
2: Yeah, the attic's pretty creepy. Uh, you could feel eyes on you if I remember correctly. The old kitchen. I'm trying to remember with the, with the burn marks because that mm-hmm. you know the place burnt down and was remade and actually made kind of older using older materials or whatever. But um, yeah, that back half is really kind of. Spooky. Um, definitely the uh, the bedroom area upstairs, and especially if it's only you guys staying there. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, but I'm. it's so funny that you talk about the basement. I haven't thought of that basement in so long, but I can picture it immediately. That's so funny how <laughs> you park things in your brain and then all of a sudden they come back. You're like, wow, where did that come from? I can picture the cement. And the the hall, yeah, that's so funny that I really haven't thought
0: of that place in in a long time. One of the coolest places, and I didn't even find it until after the event was over, uh, somebody had said, oh, you know, down in the Henry Ford room. And I was like, wait, what's the Henry Ford room? And so they they brought me there. What an amazing room that is. No Mm -hmm. wonder he picked it for his bedroom
2: well, we um we actually had my parents' twenty fifth anniversary in that room. Oh. and this is a funny little thing. My grandmother, back in the day when Henry Ford actually was there, um she was a waitress at first, and but she's a concert pianist. I mean, she was she's an amazing piano player. She used to play for the silent movies. Anyway, during one of her breaks at um she started playing the piano. And he heard her, and he said, "You are no longer a waitress. You will play <laughs> all of the events." here so you know plucked her from obscurity i guess and so she played all the events there for for years
0: so So, and
2: then my yeah my dad actually was a was a revolutionary war reenactor and he used to uh you know he retired and so he would do living history programs and um you know dress the part and greet people and tell them the stories of whatever there so i have a a lot of history with the way i did
0: (laughs) And, and this is the part where I jump in and I remind everybody that even though we have this event coming up where you can go out and investigate and look for ghosts with us there, uh, which you can get at com. You can also go there and have dinner anytime. Yeah. So if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, take an hour's drive from here and go out and have a nice dinner, you can have a fantastic meal there and get to soak up the ambiance, have a drink in the old bar, uh, which, yeah. you know, this time of year they're doing, you know, the the warm apple cider with some yeah. different concoctions, libations mixed in and yeah. oh, just fantastic. And 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 definitely they're not kidding you when they say that they have, you know, a famous dish with their baked shrimp casserole. Now, we're on the south coast of Massachusetts here, you know, between Cape Cod and Rhode Island. We are known for our seafood here. So, for somebody that far inland to claim that they have the best seafood casserole, you know, the best shrimp casserole, we're like, yeah, sure, we'll believe it
2: when we try it. (laughs) It's really good. It really is. Yeah, it's really good. And they have that woo woo, that that drink called the woo woo, which is kind of uh, uh, an interesting old fashioned cocktail. And they have great chicken pot pie. And Mm -hmm. I was just, yep. Yeah, Um, and they have a Jerusha peach mold named after Jerusha, the innkeeper's daughter or sister or whatever, the one that everyone always says is haunting the place.
0: And if you go there and you stay you get breakfast the next day, and it's not like another hotel where, like, you go down and it's, like, cereal and toast <laughs> your own bagel and make a waffle or whatever. Like, you get to sit in the restaurant and order what you want for breakfast, and it's all kind of included with your with your stay, so. Wow, that's me. That's different. Yeah. Than
2: what it was when I was it,
0: it's yeah. definitely a place worth going just, a, you know, just about an hour's drive from here in Sudbury, and uh, we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the event. We're going to have a whole episode dedicated to talking about the Wayside Inn and its history. Uh, but, you know, getting back into the process and and the the work that you do in television, mm-hmm. so let's just let's just say that you know, they they let you know, hey, we have another season of *A Haunting* coming up, and mm-hmm. we want you to start putting everything together for it. What is the process of collecting these stories and being able to put these episodes together to get them onto air? Oh
2: gosh, there's just a lot. Uh, I mean, it's quite a process, and it's a it's a big team. It's not just, certainly just me, um, but we, you know, a, a lot of the folks who've worked on the show worked on the show for years. You, you have contacts that you reach out to to, you know, put the feelers out of people are looking for stories. Um, I certainly have been um, around for a long time, so this next se- this season that you're watching now, a couple of the stories come out of my um, realm of, of folks that uh, I know. Um, and then so we'll, you know, interview everyone involved in the story um, on the phone because we, we don't want to tell the story with just one person. You have to have, like, you know, four or five people that were involved in the story who are willing to sit for an interview. Um, And then, gosh, it's just such a process. We have to write it out, you know, so that the network can say, yes, we like this story or no, we don't or whatever. This is something that could change um, or not change. But, you know, asking us more questions about something that they don't quite understand or whatever. Uh, Then it goes through the process of uh, sending someone out in the field to interview everybody who knows, you know, knows the story Um, and shooting, you know, B-roll of that local area. Then coming back, we have somebody, you know, turning it into a script and, um, you know, we have to write dialogue, cast fantastic actors. Um, then we have a huge crew of uh, people who are set designers and customers and um, makeup and gosh, everything. it just it's it's a process. I mean, it really takes months, you know, and we have ten this season. so they're everyone was in a different stage of of production. You know you've got one thing going out to the network for them to read over while you're also preparing to shoot in the field Where you got, you know the scouts out looking for the next place and yeah it's, it's just like a big it's a big machine but Man, wouldn't take I wouldn't have uh, traded this past year for anything. It was really fascinating. It was really great. You know, uh, you, Exhausting, but
0: great. You brought up an interesting point that I don't think a lot of people understand about this. You said, you know, I think the perception is that you collect the stories and you just make the episodes, but uh, you know, it's, it's, as with any one of these paranormal shows, whether it be the stories you're telling or the investigations that groups go out and investigate, the network has to sign off on all of those. They, they, they are that involved to say, like, nope, we don't want to have that story told. Yes, we do want to that story told
2: well i mean they commissioned the series so you know it's it's um they're they're collaborate they're they were wonderful collaborators actually i really have no absolutely zero complaints um and also too you might have uh, a story that has been being told on another series i mean they they have they have to check with each other they have so many series um that you have to make sure that somebody else isn't already also doing that story if the people themselves haven't told you oh by the way i shot this six months ago on xx story so you know you don't want to oversaturate a story you want to make sure that the story is fresh because folks who watch these shows like to watch all sorts of different shows and they don't want to watch the same story being told on several different shows so you know
0: but also part of it is you know when you're when you're telling these stories you you also are cognizant of the fact that you know the some of these things can kind of become mundane that you can tell the same like i felt like i got touched like you need more to these stories as you go along to make them stand out more from stories you've told in the past
2: right well i mean in order to hold up for a whole hour i mean this this is not like like most terrifying places those are those are great because those are really fun stories but there's six in an hour you know what I mean. So you're telling us the entire story that you can tell in seven minutes, whereas this is these hauntings have to <clears throat> be able to take you all the way from you know the beginning of the hour to the to the end with one major story. So it's like a lot of different things happened, but it's to that one person or that one family uh, or in that one house or whatever. So you know every every show is different in terms of what it requires for storytelling like because i've done so many of these different shows like what shows might what stories might work well on most terrifying places won't necessarily work some might but they won't won't necessarily work on this show or what worked for you know celebrity ghost story or a haunting of might not work for something on this um but it would work great for something else you know what i mean like like with um, trying to think of other shows like there's certain shows that you have to have a certain size building or whatever in order to uh, shoot there um, you always have to have kind of a spooky backstory um, but yeah with our show we really you know we really vet the stories well you know we really talk to people and make sure that the stories are corroborated and that the people are clear about you know and that they, they seem okay you know what I mean that they Just like with talk shows, I mean, there were a lot of folks You had to really kind of suss out who was telling it for what reasons, you know, what reasons do you have for telling this story? What are your motives, and are you okay, you know, um, well, it won't. It's like you don't want to damage
0: anybody. It's interesting that you say that, though, because one of the shows that you worked on was The Haunting of, which deals with celebrities, you know, sharing their mm-hmm. their ghost yeah. stories, and you know, you've got people in there who are actors, and how do yeah. you how do you determine when they're you know turning it on for the cameras or when they're telling you their real, legitimate, honest, heartfelt experience? Well, what's
2: great about that show, of course, they're going to say it's Kim again because she's amazing. She just. I remember talking to Meatloaf, and he was very much like, he's a believer, um, but he's been around a long time, and he's like, there's nothing that she's gonna tell me that she's she couldn't find on the internet. You know, there's nothing. Like he didn't believe that she could actually do it or whatever. And I said, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna take your challenge because I've seen her now for two seasons, and I bet she's gonna blow you away so just be prepared and he was blown away he had to sit down he was so blown away he was absolutely floored by what she came up with um things that because a lot of people could talk about his mother to say how close he was with her and that oh you know she'd passed away and blah 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 but Kim came up with some really like uh some uncle Henry twice removed whatever you know um so he was kind of blown away um anyway um but yeah it was of course actors are gonna they have their motives for doing whatever they do but a lot of these times a lot of these these haunting experiences happened before they were famous and so it kind of takes them back to that time in their lives so i mean sure some of them probably have motives to just want to have more face time or whatever but i think when they get into it if they allow themselves to get into it um they get something. Certainly, get something out of it. Perhaps they weren't even expecting. So.
1: Do you have a favorite episode at all of any of the shows that you worked on, or a favorite story that you were able to help tell? Oh gosh,
2: God, this whole season was, is so good. I can't wait to share it with everybody. Um, hmm. Well, this next next week's um, episode. I had actually spoken to these these ladies years ago for a different show, um, and then was when I came onto this show. They were like, "Oh, we think we're talking to these ladies from this costume shop," and I'm like, "Oh my god, I I know them." We couldn't. We ended up not using them for the other show that I was working on, but. I remembered them very fondly and it wasn't their fault. It was like some logistical issue that we couldn't use them. Um it's such uh, such a crazy haunting. Um, you know, this woman buys a, a, a building that was a funeral home and turns it into a costume shop. And of course you can imagine what happened at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, wait to see it. What I love this season two is we have so many badass females on it that uh, I just love it. Um, So anyway, but you'll see uh, that story was really, really good. And then we we just like to show the character arc of like, you know, how some people maybe started off as non-believers and through everything that they faced throughout the haunting, come to have a respect for it that they they hadn't before. Or say like one of the spouses didn't believe the other spouse what was going on and trying to come to some sort of terms of um, it's hard to be with somebody who doesn't believe you. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, I'm seeing all this crazy stuff. It's crazy enough as it is. And here's this person who is your, you know, your other half. And they're just, and and they just can't wrap their brain around it. That's that's often very difficult.
1: I think that's a tough Um, part of everybody having an experience is, is wondering, you know, who's going to believe me or Mm -hmm. what is going to come of this? Am I crazy? Um, in my travels, I've traveled nonstop for the past five years and the number Mm -hmm. one thing, I think people see psychic medium attached to my name and they're like, Oh my God. Okay. I could possibly tell you, but Mm -hmm. I still don't know. And people have broke down crying. Hey, I think I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. This has happened Mm -hmm. to me. I've never told anybody. So what would you say if you had to, Mm-hmm. Is your goal working on a show like this? Because obviously it's not just another TV show for you. It seems like you're very personally involved with the material that you're working with. Mm-hmm. What would you say is your personal goal when it comes to telling these these stories or retelling these stories? Or what are you hoping that the, the viewer takes away from this? Gosh,
2: there's so much more. That we can't, you know, there's there's so much more out there. There's so much more out there than we see. There's just so much, to, like, to believe your intuition. Like, I think that we're all equipped with a certain kind of radar, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, but we've turned it off. And, we, and I'm gu- as guilty as the next person of, like, saying, oh, no, I didn't just see that. I didn't just hear that. I didn't <laughs> just, whatever. Um, but uh, I've just heard t- and seen too many weird things to not think that there's something else going on.
1: I think Um, society makes makes life
2: more interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I think it does too. People always say to me like, Oh, I wish I could be more like you. Like maybe not totally like me. However, I don't know what it's like to be normal. So I can't really say, (laughs) um, I always tell people like I was born this way. I don't know what it's like to be an everyday person, but, um, no, I think that's a great message just to, to listen to your intuition because we're all guilty of it at some point is to, to just turn a blind eye and society, whether it's a belief system or anything like that makes us all think like, Oh, lights are flickering. It must be an electrical, Issue, even though it happens every day at the exact same time for no reason. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that out there. So I think um, you know, retelling stories for people without the the scare tactics in it, because I think that you know, especially around Halloween time, we all deal with something like that. But just putting it out there that you might not be alone is a really cool thing for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think that. Um a lot of the folks who come forward are are quite brave but maybe it's cathartic because they're just like mm-hmm. okay i know what i saw i'm not nuts um and that's what i just love about some of these people like there's no it, you might think differently of people like you're saying with celebrities or whatever or people who might own some sort of um an event space that would benefit from being mm-hmm. called haunted or whatever but um there's so many people who, have, there's absolutely nothing, they gain nothing. Certainly, they don't get paid for being uh, on these shows, you know what right. I mean? It's like, you might get your expenses covered, of course, um, uh, but you wouldn't, um, you, it's not like you're making Boku bucks, uh, so it's got to be for your own personal reasons that you want to tell this story.
0: I just do it for the free trip out to LA, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, or wherever you know, it might be filmed. I don't know.
1: Maybe, maybe right now, since there's snow outside.
2: Yeah, I know, right. Well, New Dominion is out in Virginia, so uh, I mean, but it's still pretty cold right now.
1: Oh, it. What was it? 12 degrees when I came in here.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna be 14 during the day here on Tuesday. 18
2: here in New York, so don't feel
0: bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, that like the great thing about being part of these, you know, in the capacity that that we have, being the per- people who go and share these stories. You know, I've gone on my ghost story, and Stephanie's done yeah. some other shows where she's been in front of the camera doing these things. Mm-hmm. Like it's good to just go and kind of see the process, even yeah. just to see and to, to and it's. You know, some of the conversations that I've had with the people, for everybody that is, you know, a paranormal enthusiast that thinks that the people making TV don't really care about the paranormal, that hasn't been my experience for the most part. Mm -hmm. I find everybody from, you know, the camera person to the makeup person to the audio engineers, they all want to talk to you about these different experiences. And the best part of all of these experiences that I've had has been, you know, when you take a break for lunch. And everybody's kind of sitting around the table and like, so what else has happened to you? Where else have you been?
1: When we filmed in Amityville, mm-hmm. the whole no, night we no spent nice. um, talking to the crew to the point where, like, I got into the deepest, most philosophical questions that yeah. I think I've ever been asked in my life. <laughs> but it was amazing to connect with people in that way. Um, I think I, if I had to say, like, the, the production crews that I've worked with have been phenomenal. I know of one production crew that I. Particularly some producers, and I know you know who I'm talking about, that just all they cared about was their next TV job. And I think Mm -hmm. it bothered me the most when I was in Hawaii because it's a place that I I pretty much call a second home. And I work Mm -hmm. very closely with kahunas over there. And to just blatantly disrespect the culture, to make Mm -hmm. something scary for TV, I just had to walk away from that one. I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't watch it go down. But I've only had that, that one bad experience with that particular production company.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to say that they're not out there because they certainly, I mean, the reputation um, a lot of TV producers have is because of some people like that. But then there's certainly lots of folks who everyone just gushed about. We got so many thank you notes from the actors, from the real life people. So, and, and every crew I've worked on for the most part has been really quite lovely. Um Definitely, but it was, it's funny. I, I mean, I, I've worked on lots of different kinds of shows, from let's say history and A um, and E and all that kind of stuff, different kinds of shows. But whenever I bring up that I work on ghost shows, or if my boyfriend brings it up, all of a sudden people's eyes just light up, and they just want to tell you their stories, yes. or they want to hear the scariest <laughs> thing. So it could, you know, it just really it it opens up a door for people, and they just want to tell their stories, or they just want to hear about more stories, or tell you something that they had seen or heard, and they're you know, they hadn't told anybody about it. So it's kind of it's kind of a fun it a fun way in, you know,
1: it's so much more acceptable now. Um, mm-hmm. and I find, you know, being at, you know, everyday places like getting my nails done or mm-hmm. even like eyelashes or the gym, uh, especially lately, somebody will mention what I do and I'm like, oh dear God, mm-hmm. you know, how is this going to mm-hmm. go? I almost like hold my breath and like pretend like mm-hmm. I'm just sinking into the chair that I'm sitting in and I'm no longer visible <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was like that for so long. Um, you know, the nineties, mm-hmm. everybody was like, nope, like that's taboo. That's mm-hmm. not okay. We don't talk about that. So, um, now it's it's like second nature. People want to hear it or everybody wants to immediately share their own experiences. And I don't even end up saying much anymore because people are just going on and on. So in a way, it's it's nice to finally be accepted.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I mean, I get these flashes. I just heard Tim say he gets gets flashes. I, I'm still bad about saying them. Even though I, I worked with, you know, Kim Russo, or whatever, on The Haunting of, um, and she would always tell people because she's been doing it for so long she'd say hey you know i see this man standing next to you blah blah, blah. it's your dad i'll get these flashes and i'll keep my mouth shut mm-hmm. and then it'll come to pass that i should have said something you know and i'm like kicking myself but i'm still not past that point of thinking oh this person's gonna think i'm you know crazy or I, wacky i've gotten or. past
1: the crazy part but there was one time i was working on a tv show with a very well-known ghost hunter and um, I brought something up, and the cameras cut right after I said it. And I heard one say, hmm. And the other one looked at her and said, well, what's wrong? She goes, I was going to say the exact same thing, but I didn't want to. Mm. And somebody encouraged her to, and she shut them down really fast. She said, it's not my job, it's her job, and like left it mm. alone, like did not want any part of that. So, mm. you know, I have to respect that with some people is, you know, whether it's a fear or it's not part of their belief system or they don't want to accept that part of themselves yet, then. You know, it is what it is. But I think for people that are genuinely curious or Tim and I have had a lot of really weird experiences together. We've been friends for mm-hmm. over 10 years now. And it's okay. it's kind of interesting when you spend time in those places or in those situations with people that, you know, you have a like energy with. You don't know what can happen. And that's mm-hmm. happened to me so many times with people that are close to me that it, it makes you wonder, like, you know, do you get those flashes because you're all in the same wavelength for just a second or, mm-hmm. you know, what else is going on there? Because it's still something that we all can't explain.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, in the in the days that you started working on paranormal-type programs, uh, for the longest time, it was something that, you know, would kind of cycle through, where... It would come on, you know, a series would come on and maybe you would get a couple seasons out of it. Maybe they'd rerun it and Mm -hmm. then it would kind of go back and it would be like a show that people, oh, I remember that. But now with, you know, Discovery Plus coming out, all of these shows are like back in the conversation and all of these stories are, are, are being shared again and again and again. As a producer, that must be very rewarding to see all of these shows that you spend so much time working on now being accessible to people again.
2: Yeah, and you can see how well they're doing. I mean, I think in a sense, people watching our show is what brought us back from the dead. <laughs> I mean, I think after season ten that might have take it took a long snooze. And I think, you know, then I was kinda of reassessing shows that had big dramatic recreations and blah, blah, blah. And then I think people were just watching during COVID, people were watching a haunting. And they could tell from that Discovery Plus platform how many people were watching and they're like Hmm, maybe maybe people want this. So tune in and watch it because we really want a season 12.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of which, so if you do get greenlit for a season 12, of course, you're going to need some stories. Uh, yeah. Are you still looking for people to share their experiences with you?
2: Well, um, I mean, I, uh, we don't have a season 12 yet, but always good to, you know, have some people uh, in the back pocket, as they say. Um, so if anybody wants to drop me, a line, they're welcome to, um, at Laura at new dominion.com. Um, you can always just send me a note saying, I heard you on Tim's show and I have a great story when you're, when you're starting to look or whatever. And then if we get a new season, I can have, you know, one of my staff call and, and, and chat out, you know, chat about the story. So i always and, happy to talk to folks.
0: And, and plus you never know, you know, one of those stories might turn into something that could be an entirely different project too.
2: You never know. That is true. A lot of these uh, a lot of these shows do bring up, um, you, you get to meet all sorts of neat people, and a, a lot of shows um, kind of serve as backdoor pilots, if you think about it, like shows like Most Terrifying Places. There's six stories in an hour, and you get to meet all these different people. And I remember going to some museum in, in England, the Haunted Museum in, in uh, Nottinghamshire, I think, and I just thought that those people who ran it were the cutest, quirkiest, couple, and I thought, these people would make a great reality show about this, you know, kooky, um, haunted museum. Um, uh, it's just like, you just meet these folks, and, and you just kind of have a sense, oh, that, thing might, that might make a show. But you know, development's not for the, the um, fragile or so <laughs> easily dissuade because it is a roller coaster, which I wouldn't highly recommend to people. Uh, I've been on it once many times.
0: And and, and and so, just you know, going forward uh, with this current season, uh, you know, coming on, people being being able yeah. to catch it Friday nights at ten o'clock.
2: Friday nights, ten o'clock on Travel Channel, and it drops a new episode on every Friday. But they don't wait till ten; they usually drop it midday. Um, the same episode on Discovery Plus. Um, we've been trending. Uh, if you if you if you're watching it on Discovery Plus, we've been trending in the second position most most of the weekends, which is great in paranormal so yeah and you can watch them at your leisure or you can watch them six or seven times if you want to you know watch them (laughs) once just to enjoy the story then you want to watch it to pick it apart or to you know whatever it's uh certainly that's what's great about streaming is that you don't have to wait it's not like you know appointment television you can watch it at your leisure but you can watch the new one on friday nights at 10 and then they usually immediately air the week the episode that uh, premiered the week before right afterwards. So like 10 o'clock is the new one for that week. And then 11 o'clock is the new one from the week before. So and great way to get in.
0: I'm just going to put this out there. I'm not paid in any way by discovery networks or discovery plus mm-hmm. to push this, but it is worth the money for what you get. You're getting oh a lot God. of content yes. for the five yes. or $7 a month that you choose to pay.
2: It's not just paranormal. Five or something. And they, they have like a history channel, like ancient aliens. They've got like, um, oh, also a home improvement show that really has—I mean, a lot of the other stuff that was like those um, reality shows, like Duck Dynasty and My Six Thousand Pound Life, or whatever it is. There's all sorts of weird, like unusual uh, mixes. But there's a whole platform just of paranormal and, and the unexplained. So, you know, that's, that's your jam. You will certainly not be for a lack of things to watch.
1: And from what I've seen there's a there's a promo code out for Discovery Plus for 30 free days. Oh.
0: Cool. So there you go, worth a shot.
1: It's GH30. Yeah. discoveryplus.com/redeem. So for those of you that haven't tried Discovery Plus yet, I mean that's a great way to do it and again, we're not paid at all.
2: <laughs> we're just
1: helping out friends. I mean,
0: if you're listening to Discovery Plus and you want right. to be a sponsor, we'll certainly talk, <laughs> but
2: our our
1: faces are on Discovery Plus, but we don't get paid for that.
0: That's true. we'll work that all out in the next contract round Uh, well Laura I want to thank you for joining us tonight this has been a a great fascinating discussion and we certainly will uh, let you know if we've got some good stories for you to, to help tell in the future
2: Please do, and I'll. If I'm a, if I'm back in Massachusetts, we'll have to see if I can ever coordinate to go to the Wayside Inn uh, when you're there for one of your spooky
0: nights. Absolutely, nice.
2: even if we just go and meet up and have I was some dinner. Say,
1: just spooky dinner. We we spooky. actually call this spooky snack coast, and we talk about food at least oh. once an episode. So,
2: okay, so that's true. Sounds like a plan.
0: And I know <laughs> I know some people that are there now. So if we do have dinner, maybe we can sneak around and look at some for some ghosting. <laughs>
2: that sounds like a good a good thing to do. All, all right, right. Cool. Well, thanks.
0: Well, good Good luck on uh, getting some, some record setting ratings this season and, and hopefully you'll get greenlit for the next one as well. Yeah, I
2: hope so. Thanks so much guys. Take care. All right, have a great night. All right. Thank you. Bye.
0: That is Laura Marini. Again, you can make sure that you catch all of the new season of a haunting. It airs Friday nights at 10 p.m. on Travel Channel, and you can also check out new episodes the same day on Discovery Plus. And, you know, I I know that we said that, you know, we're not paid to to, to promote it, but I, I did put a post up the other day about I'm tired of all of our friends who have programs on Discovery Plus, mm-hmm. they put out a post saying, hey, there's a new episode out or, you know, what do you think about this episode? And all I see is all these comments from people. I don't have Discovery Plus. I can't afford to add one more thing to my cable bill. And I'm telling you,
1: <laughs> it's you, can,
0: you can find a way. There's you know, something in your life you can cut if you wanted to have this bad enough.
1: The, the problem is a lot of people, like we've talked about all night and all the time, don't understand how television works. So when it comes down to it, and I know I've seen this a lot and I know that you did too. A lot of our friends were getting a lot of flack for supposedly moving their show from Travel Channel to Discovery Plus. That was a network decision that they had no control over.
0: Right. If you
1: Zero control. If
0: you're a person, just a regular person- that's on one of these shows. Think about what's easier for you. Would you rather have your show be on the travel channel where it can be seen by millions of people all at the same time and you only have to jump on Twitter and live tweet at once mm-hmm. to interact with everybody? Or would you rather have it go on a platform that only members have access to, Right. Uh, it's significantly less viewership, and also you can't be as interactive with them now because you never know when they're going to sit down and watch that episode? It
1: was not their decision. And for people to beat those, those particular people up over the switch is mind boggling. Like the, the negativity and the hate that comes out of those comments. Like I'm literally flabbergasted every time I, I read them. Like I'm not doing this until you move back. And it's like, it, it's not their fault at all. And no matter how much it's put out there, people just won't stop.
0: <laughs> and and it's, it's always, you know, you it's always the person that's like, I can't afford $5 a month. For Discovery mm-hmm. Plus. And then you look in their profile photo on Facebook is them smoking a cigarette.
1: Right.
0: Or, you know, you go and you look at, you know, some of the stuff that they posted and you, you say to yourself, okay, well, you went to this restaurant and that right. restaurant and that restaurant all in the same week. If you were just eating home one of those nights, you probably could have afforded that five. Not that I'm going to tell people how to live their lives. Right. I'm just saying, don't use that. I can't spend five more dollars a month excuse to try to make somebody feel bad. Right. About the way that their show is being distributed. Just because you're choosing not to spend that money on it.
1: It just, it's, it's bizarre. The whole thing is bizarre. Like if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all.
0: (laughs) I mean, I can't, I can't, uh, support that because otherwise why would there be social media? Why would there be talk radio? There'd be talk radio. I'd lose my jobs (laughs) if people always said nice things. No,
1: no, you wouldn't. My, my point is like, you don't go attacking a stranger.
0: Like that. Like, if
1: you have an opinion well, and it's your opinion, like, that's fine. But you don't need to be a jerk. So
0: this is going to get... This is going to get... I'm probably going to get hate mail for this. Why? But you know... What are you going to do? You've <laughs> seen this happen, too.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, where... I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this, but...
1: If you don't have anything nice to say to me. No, <laughs> no, no, not
0: even from that perspective, but just, like... We don't care about your situation. <laughs> so when somebody says, hey, check out new episodes of my show on Discovery Plus, like we don't need your entire biography in the comment describing to us why you can't afford the
1: $5.
0: Yep. And I can understand that. we don't need, you know, if somebody announces an event, you see it all the time. I'd love to go to one of these events, but I have this and this and this and this and this and this. Like... I don't know what the point of that is. Are you trying to, like, make somebody feel guilty into saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'll send you $5 a month. Or you can use my password for Discovery Plus. Or I'll buy you a ticket to that event. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get the overshare. But maybe that's I because I, I, I undershare I don't think I understand details. oversharing
1: anyways, in general. Like, I don't need to know when you're going to the bathroom or brushing your teeth or anything like that. Like, social media is very strange. I don't know why people post their dirty laundry either. That's oversharing. I don't understand it. I think that they're, you know, social media should be a highlight reel of your life, whether you want to share any type of journey that you're on, that's fine. But like the, the random drama, no. And to me, that stuff falls in the drama category because we do know that there are certain people out there that are hoping for a free pass for some things. I think other people just overshare anyways, and it's really awkward. So I don't know, but I just think like, I don't overshare my life. Like, you know, the 2021 that I went through (laughs) and I think I just spoke briefly on it, On Facebook Live the other night, you know, Scott and I did our Raw and Reel for the first time this year, and um, I just briefly mentioned, like, it was probably the hardest year of my life, but I didn't overshare once on social media what I had gone through, because that's just normal. We don't do that, so I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like to... I mean, I'll put things that people like, well, like, who cares, Tim? But I I put it out there because it starts a conversation. Like, I want to interact with people about things. So, like, you know, the other day I put up something about how uh, people who lick the cream out of an Oreo, because here we go, Spooky Snack Ghost. Yes. People who lick the cream out of an Oreo and then just dunk the wafer part, the cookie part, are heathens. Yes. You have to dunk the entire cookie, cream and all. That's That's bizarre. The dunked cream is kind of the highlight of the cookie. And there were so many people that are like, first of all, I don't dunk. And I was like, well, if you don't dunk, like, I don't even know why you're bothering with an Oreo. And then there were other people who were like, oh, I have to lick Monsters. the cream out. <laughs> and then some people were like, I lick the cream out and I throw the cookie away. Uh, you know, real first world problems. But. Like, that's the, that's the. That's disgusting. Discussion, though, that I was trying to have is like, I knew if I put that out there, like, some people were going to come back at me and mm-hmm. be like, eh, and it's fun. It's fun to have right. those about something that doesn't matter. You know, we're going to fight about politics. <laughs> we're going to fight about religion. We're going to fight about coronavirus. We're going to fight about everything. Storious. But. It's when you have a fight and a discussion and an argument, and you get some of that frustration out about something as innocuous as Oreos. Mm-hmm. You know, then you can move on a little bit faster and easier, and everybody kind of had their say, and it's it's kind of fun. It's kind of weird, and you know, people put things that I would never possibly ever consider. Um, so that's that's why I find it interesting. Like I never would have thought somebody would buy an Oreo to lick the cream out of it and throw the cookie part away. Uh, no, like, that's why, weird. Why would you do that? I don't get it.
1: But then again, why hasn't Oreo just just packaged cream in like a jar like we do Fluff and Nutter and sell it like that?
0: I don't know. Are you listening know.
1: Oreo? Was it Nabisco?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you think that there would be a...
1: Cause it, there's got to be an audience unless, for it.
0: Unless you're eating it directly, like there's not a lot of other uses for it. Fluff is at least somewhat multiple purposed Ugh, fluff Because you can Ugh. use it for like Rice Krispies treats You can use it for sandwiches You can put it in your hot chocolate That's By the way, don't be wasting time putting marshmallows in your hot chocolate That's amateur stuff Don't put marshmallows don't, in your hot right chocolate Tell me right
1: now you do not put fluff in there. You put
0: really? a big ass spoonful of fluff No In your hot chocolate That's disgusting oh,
1: You monster
0: change your life I'm going home Change your I'm life. Going home. You will never put a marshmallow itself in a hot chocolate yes, ever I will. again. I once you put the and fluff in. And I will in. be
1: happy doing it.
0: No, it makes a nice layer and then it floats around. You drink around it and then at the end you've got that nice <laughs> ball of fluff at the bottom that has the hot chocolate infused no. into it. Oh, yes. That is the way to do it.
1: Fluff and Utter. I don't even think your body can digest fluff and utter.
0: Oh, probably not because look at me.
1: I think it just sits there and like collects itself for 10 years.
0: That's why we call ourselves it's shiny fluffy and
1: weird and it looks like spray insulation. We're not
0: fluffy like a blanket, we're fluffy cuz we're filled with fluff. Spray foam. It's spray foam insulation. That's fine. I'm well insulated. That's why as we're walking across from the 99 after having dinner coming over here, you're freezing and I'm walking around in just a regular sweatshirt (laughs) being like, it's not that bad out here.
1: It's freezing. It was 12 degrees. I am insulated with marshmallow fluff. I am insulated with marshmallow fluff. I mean,
0: (sighs) there's people, by the way, that are listening to the show that have no idea what we're talking about. I know. I thought about that too. It's a New England thing. What do we
1: even describe that as? Marshmallow sauce? (laughs)
0: It's, it's a, it's a, a filling, a filling made out of marshmallow. Spray
1: foam insulation.
0: <laughs> it is, th- it is the, the treat of the gods.
1: It is not. Don't listen to him.
0: But then again, I was also ready, uh, earlier this week, I didn't pull the trigger But I had it in my cart at Walmart.com. You
1: did not tell me this is not true.
0: I was about to buy $25 worth of Skyline Chili Cans. (gasps) Really? Yes.
1: That's disgusting. Which was only
0: five cans because...
1: Right. Because it's expensive. Yeah. Amazon's probably cheaper.
0: No, Amazon, you had to buy like 40 cans. It was not cheaper on Amazon. My goodness. The single cans on Amazon were like 15 bucks a piece. But yeah, I was, I was about to buy Skyline Chili. If we have any listeners in the Cincinnati area and you want to send Skyline Chili, shoot me an email, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. I'll give you the station address because I love Skyline Chili, but You're of obsessed. course you can't get it here. Uh, Blame Belanger. He's the one that gave it to me. I know. I remember. But uh, maybe, oh, maybe I'll trade. Maybe I'll trade have Marshmallow another? Fluff <laughs> for Skyline Chili. That's disgusting. Because Marshmallow Fluff costs us like two bucks a giant tub. Here. And Skyline Chili in Cincinnati is like eighty-nine cents for a can.
2: So this is true.
0: we can make a fair swap. Uh, I do remember one Mister Greg Newkirk was gonna um, trade me some Skyline Chili for Necco wafers. Oh God! But we never made that trade happen. Yeah, because I was we were walking around in Bermuda and I was telling yeah. him about you know the old. We were talking about Old Man Candy mm-hmm. and he loves Old Man Candy. I was like, yeah, but he ever had a Necco wafer and when I told him what they were, he was like, I have to try those. It's like, no, they're horrible. They're like, they're like what you tell somebody candy is if you want to fool them and then say, ha ha ha. See, you thought yeah. it was candy.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: It's like, it's almost like it's, it's, it's almost like medicine. That's how bad it tastes. But anyway, we're just about out of time. As soon as we start talking about snacks, the time just flies by. Uh, but again, that Skyline chili deal is on the table. If you want to trade Skyline chili for marshmallow fluff, the shipping cost might be a little bit off because, you know.
1: One's Marshmallow heavier. fluff yep. doesn't really
0: weigh anything. It does um, too. But um, We have
1: those like giant five pound.
0: Yeah, but still ones. it weighs less than probably two cans of chili weighs. But uh, certainly we can talk about that. Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. Let's make a deal. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for tonight's show. We'll be back next week with another edition of the program. Uh, until then, if you want to reach out to us at any point in time, our email is SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. That goes to all of us. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at SpookySC. You can like us on Facebook at Spooky South Coast there as well. And uh, definitely go and get on our mailing list at SpookySouthCoast.com because as we add more events through the year, because, you know, things are kind of getting back to the point where they're opening up and letting people come in for investigations. Uh, We will announce more events as things go along. We were just talking about some potential things that sound really fun for later on this year, so you don't want to miss out on any of that. So again, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, sign up for the mailing list, and whenever we announce an event, you will get it sent right to your inbox before anybody else hears about it. And that will do it for tonight. Oh, coming up is our anniversary, too. It is. That's at the end of the month. So stay tuned for all of that. We'll be back next week. Stay spooktacular.